Welcome to Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter. And I'm Tom, and this is the first official uh, episode of Cobra Kai Companion, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Uh, we have an announcement episode. This is the first episode recorded uh, post-TV Ate My Brain, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, b- I believe it is. So for those that have been following us for a while, uh, Tom and I, we covered Cobra Kai Season 1 uh, over at TV Ate My Brain, which is the official TV podcast of Core Temp Parts. And while we were covering that, we were able to get a lot of interviews with cast members. Uh, at the time of this recording, we had 13 uh, with more on the way. And we just thought that since we're producing so much content, why not create an exclusive podcast for just Cobra Kai material? Yeah, I mean, not only to make it easier for our listeners, but also we didn't really want to completely plug up all of that feed with just Cobra Kai material. Right. You know, and it was it was kind of going both ways for a while. It it was. And for those that, you know, just want the reviews only, continue subscribing to TV at my brain because they will still go up there, including interviews. But if you're a hardcore fan that need a Cobra Kai fix, this is going to be it. Cobra Kai Companion is going to have all of uh, the interviews, the reviews, and bonus content, um, which includes this episode. So this is actually going to be our reaction to John Hurwitz's Q&A uh, over Twitter. So mm-hmm. we did a um, a series, you know, number one, you know, to his very first Q&A. And since then, I think he's had about three, maybe four. So this is going to be all of those yeah, he is, uh, he is very, very active uh, and very, very respe- receptive to all kinds of fans. Absolutely. Very generous with his time, too, because they are in pre-production right now, you know, so we'll kind of throw out some uh, some updates that we've kind of heard about, and then we'll kind of get into the reactions. Um, but first and foremost, they are in the writing stages. Uh, I remember reading something that John Hurwitz tweeted out. Uh, that they had turned in their outline for episodes 6 through 10. And the last time I saw anything in terms of a script, they had just turned in uh, episode 3. So, mm-hmm. uh, Not only that, but apparently the actors have uh, already started their physical training for the second season. That's right. That's right. We have seen uh, some footage. If you follow some of the actors on Instagram, um, Jacob Bertrand, Sholo, uh, I forget which one, but one of them on their Instagram story, there was some uh, footage of them doing some um, some training. I, I believe Tanner Buchanan, uh, who played Robbie, was in the background as well. Uh, so they have definitely started. Um, yeah, very exciting stuff. And some of the other actors, to include uh, William Zapka, Ralph Macchio, Martin Cove, they're still making their rounds at some of the cons around the country. Uh, unfortunately, Billy Zapka, uh, he had to cancel at, uh, at I believe, it was the Cincinnati one. Um, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he was still on vacation with his family. So, I, you know, if you follow him on Instagram, you guys will see pictures of them in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? He deserves it. I mean, this has been kind of nonstop for him ever since uh, this really took off between, you know, the publicity for the show, the actual principal photography. He's one of the producers. Uh, then he's got the convention circuit. I mean, he's going nonstop. He really has, you know, and also, uh, Tom, you got to see him in uh, Michigan. Wasn't that one of the very first appearances, too? 
Yeah, yeah, it was very shortly after uh, the debut of Cobra Kai, and it's like I was uh, telling Martin Cove, when he walked into the convention room, you'd have thought that, you know, a a rock star had entered the building. I mean, he just, he controlled that entire room. Yeah, so he has been making these appearances and promoting the show. He deserves some time with the family, obviously. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, we got season two um, starting up pretty soon. I really hope he doesn't cancel the rest of his appearances because I got mine coming up. (laughs) So yeah, when is that? uh, At the time of this recording, I have five days. um, I believe it is uh, for the start of Rose City Comic Con. So hopefully he does come through. And if you guys subscribe to this show, I will more than likely do my little review of the Rose City Comic Con, you know, the the Cobra Kai stuff and my interactions. So yeah, the the big three are supposed to be there, aren't they? They are. The big three, Ralph Macchio, Martin Cove, and uh, William Zabka. So um, crossing my fingers, hopefully there's no cancellations. Uh, The last time I went to one of the cons here in town, uh, I was really excited to see Sean Astin and he had to cancel uh, because he got sick. You know, I am a Goonies mm. fan, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings, sure, that's the thing, you know, but but first and foremost, Goonies and Rudy, you know, that's that's what I'm about. I was going to say, you got to include Rudy. Got to. So, uh, let's see, what else? Do you think, can you think of anything else? Um, so, we talked about, uh, if you guys listened to the first Q&A reaction episode we did, we mentioned that... Um, it was revealed that it's going to be 10 episodes again. You know, it's a formula mm-hmm. that they felt worked. So why, you know, why change it? And it's still going to be, you know, around the 30 minute mark. You know, basically the episode is going to be as long as it needs to be to tell that uh, particular story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big thing that I am just kind of getting clued in on right now is apparently there's a bit of a controversy between the producers of this show William Zabka, Ralph Macchio, and uh, what is his name? Sean Cannon? Is that his name? The gentleman that portrayed uh, Mike Barnes? Yeah, it's either, uh, it's either Cannon or Cannon. I, I'm not sure which. I should have done my research. And uh, I feel, because I did interview uh, William Christopher Ford in uh, for the our review of Part 3, who played Dennis, one of the Cobra Kai members. He says the name in there, so forgive me. I wish I remember. I feel it is Kanan, though. Um, okay. Yeah, so I I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Well, let's go ahead and uh, let the listeners know exactly what's going on first. Uh, apparently, on his Twitter feed, uh, Sean Kanan uh, confirmed that he was going to make an appearance in Season 2 of Cobra Kai. And... I mean, all the fans went crazy because Mike Barnes is a fan favorite character, and I'm sure that everybody out there wants to see what he's like, you know, almost 30 years later. The problem is is that everybody else associated with the show is completely denying it. I guess uh, Ralph Macchio was at a convention, and somebody had asked him, and he wouldn't name Sean by name. He just uh, kept referring to a former cast member who was overzealous about this show i would be too oh i yeah absolutely i mean uh if you could have a chance to hitch your wagon to this i mean why wouldn't you but i i don't i would be very surprised if he shows up i mean i think there's uh, gonna be a l- little bit too much going on just with uh sensei crease coming back into the picture right yeah and i 
I forgot when it was, but it was in one of our episodes that we've done where I mentioned like immediately after season one uh, premiered, uh, Sean Kanan and Martin Cove were making appearances together in the California mm-hmm. area. Yeah. So that's uh, uh, really interesting. So, you know, uh, just read between the lines. Let's just wait for some of those breaking news. It's fun to speculate, but uh, clearly they don't want to make, uh, they don't want to confirm any news yet. So, yeah, best case scenario, he definitely jumped the gun by going on Twitter and making an announcement. I have a feeling that that's probably bad form on his part. Yeah. Best case scenario, if this is real. Right, right. Uh, any other news you want to throw out there? Um, maybe just a little bit of house cleaning on our part, uh, you know, in terms of like Twitter and just stuff, just, just in case for, you know, some people tune out a little bit early, I guess. You know, again, if you guys been following us, you know, the Twitter and Instagram accounts are still the same. Uh, Twitter would be at Cobra Kai Pod. Instagram is at Cobra Kai Podcast. Uh, we have a group page. Uh, www. Cobra Kai period TV AMB group. That's going to stay the same as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is really taking off. Uh, maybe not. I, I would say we're nowhere near as big as a lot of the other Facebook uh, Cobra Kai groups, but uh, we're we're picking up traction and uh, we've got really good interaction between uh, the community. I, I believe so. And I feel, you know. I thought I was being way too clever with our group page. You know, if I was a little <laughs> bit more simpler, perhaps people would have been joining ours as well. Um, but yeah, I, you know, in our group, we have, I believe, up to six uh, Cobra Kai moms. And those mm-hmm. are women whose uh, sons were on the show. And I say six because there's one that's kind of unconfirmed that I believe I have an idea who who she is if it is her in fact um we also have a mother of one of the producers uh she joined our group and also she followed us on instagram tom we're one of eight people that she follows on instagram oh my god yeah so that's uh that's pretty amazing i I think that says a little something so hopefully she's checked out the show and enjoyed it um let's see here i i I believe that's it you know if you go to uh i think we're only available on Apple Podcasts at this time. So that's going to be uh, Cobra Kai Companion. But if you do a search, there is a WordPress page where I have included everything that we have produced as Cobra Kai related. Uh, and that will probably be attached to the show notes as well if you guys want to check that out. Uh, but for the Android users, uh, your forms of podcast listening, that those will come eventually. And we'll announce those on the social medias once we get those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you want to get into these uh, reactions? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm sure that the people are listening uh, in with bated anticipation. Okay. All right. So our very first tweet comes from Dorothy Golden G. She, they say, I'm going to say they, they say, I am on a time difference, so I missed your Q&A, but I have a question. Would you ever do a prequel with Chris to show his life before and how he came who became who he is. I imagine he lost loved ones and is still haunted by war. His would be an intriguing backstory. And uh, Horowitz replied, All I can say is we've put a massive amount of thought into Kreese's life and how we'd like to explore it. And I think we may have already had the answers as far as exactly what his backstory is, or at least the backstory that Martin Cove used in order to kind of get his character's motivations. I'm really, really curious to see how 
much of that shows up on screen next year. Um, and, and for those of you who don't remember, basically what Martin Cove kind of came up with on his own was he was a special forces operative inside of Vietnam. And because of the political nature of that conflict, the soldiers on the ground weren't allowed to take full advantage of their military weaponry advantages, things like that. And as a result, that conflict was lost by U.S. forces. And when he came back, he decided that he was not going to compromise in that way ever again. There would be no mercy for the enemy when at all costs. So that, to me, makes total sense. I mean, what what was your opinion on that, Peter? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, the, the man's been around for quite some time, and I'm going to take his word on it. And yeah. I, f- I feel that the, the writers and creators of Cobra Kai, uh, I'd imagine before coming up with their own backstory that they'd probably run it by him as well, just to, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Well, yeah, I'd imagine that they would want to get the input of the guy that's been portraying him for 34 years. Exactly. You know, just kind of like when they started up Cobra Kai, they, you know, went to Ralph Macchio and William Zapka and said, hey, this is, you know, this is our idea. What do you guys think? And, you know, I'm sure they had a lot of input uh, on themselves, you know, for portraying those characters. Yeah, for for over three decades. Um, All right. So our next tweet comes from our buddy Josh over at Cobra Kai Network. He's also part of our group. Uh, He asks, as a fellow karate Kid super fan, uh, are you disappointed with the amount of time given to the LaRusso uh, versus Dutch match from the All Valley? Uh, and the response was, I could never get enough of Dutch, but I recognize the challenges of movie making. Always want to keep the story moving and focus on what's most important. The Dutch LaRusso match didn't warrant a ton of real estate in the overall story of Karate Kid 1, in my opinion, but I'd still love to see more. And honestly, as fun as it would be to watch more footage of that that round, he's absolutely right. Dutch is not the main antagonist in that movie. Clearly, it's uh, Johnny slash Crease. So, it, it makes total sense to me. Yeah, I. what I would think is cool is if there was like some sort of, not a fan edit, but maybe a fan film where they kind of go back and kind of recreate the movie from the Cobra Kai perspective, you know, and give each and one of them a little bit more screen time, you know, your Tommies, your Dutches, your Bobbies, stuff like that. I think that'd be a very interesting project. Um, I don't think it would belong in Cobra Kai, but that's still, you know, kind of fun to imagine. I agree. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the next one comes from uh, Cobra Kai Pod. <clears throat> that's us. Uh, I said... <laughs> Uh, Aaron Bradley Danger, who played Counselor Blatt, uh, she talked about a deleted scene involving Counselor Blatt and a thrown pizza. What was the reasoning behind the cut? Uh, and just before, Tom, you um, uh, read the reply, this is something that she mentions in her interview. So if, if anybody's missed it, go back and check that one out. Uh, well, Hurowitz said, When editing the episodes, we are always looking at the place of individual scenes, as well as the whole episode. Pizza bit was funny, but the scene was playing too long, and there were better, and there was a better out. Yeah, so I can understand that. Yeah, it's just like any other uh, form of television or film. There are good things that are left on the cutting room floor, not because they didn't like them, but just for pacing issues. So, yeah, I, I can understand that. Absolutely, and I think that's one thing that we praise too for. 
you know, for them having 10 episodes, averaging 30 minutes, the pacing was very well done. And mm. you got to imagine how how difficult it is to cut out some things you just really enjoyed doing. And a lot of work went into, um, you know, like that particular scene, there was an apparatus built that was specifically built to throw um, pepperonis at Counselor Blatt, you know. And so they they lost some time in, you know, producing that very particular scene and they had to cut it. It happens. Yeah, and this, again, isn't anything unusual. I, I believe the phrase is killing your darlings, where you spend all this time not only writing it but filming it and working with actors, working with the post product, the pre production to get everything just right, and then you get it all assembled and you realize, you know what? As much as I like this, the overall picture would work a lot better without it, and so they're forced to get rid of this thing that they love. Yeah, how many times have we heard about uh, a, a movie that we loved and we find out that maybe there was one small character that was cut out because it just didn't work and it was like, wait, that's a known actor though, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so our, our buddy Josh gets another tweet here from Cobra Kai Network. He asks, how difficult was the process of getting the clearance of music news in the Cobra Kai series, especially Young Hearts? Uh, was there any songs from the Credit Kid franchise that you wanted to use but couldn't get? And Horowitz says, some songs are easier to clear than others. For Young Hearts, our music, our music supervisor reached out, and they were enthusiastic about returning, and a deal was worked out. There were, no sign, there were no songs from the original that we wanted to use in Season 1 that we couldn't get. Hmm, that's very interesting. And uh, perhaps there might be a future episode talking about the music, so who knows? You know, we'll absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll find out more about that stuff uh, in the in the future, hopefully. Um, but yeah, Young Hearts. I didn't realize how much I loved that song until I heard it again in episode seven uh, during the yeah. date between yeah. Miguel and Mary. Uh, <laughs> not Mary, um, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, the next one comes from uh, one of our listeners, actually, uh, AC Patterson nine seven five. He asks, "Do you think that Daniel Larusso would have been friends with Marty McFly and Ferris Bueller if he had met them in high school? Why or why not?" And the answer is, Daniel's most likely connected with Marty McFly because they bond over having best friends triple their age. Yeah, you know what? And I, I. I've always felt this, but I don't know if I ever said it on any of our episodes. But you know how you say a hawk is your spirit animal? Mm-hmm. I I feel like Mr. Hurwitz is mine. You know, like <laughs> we're right there when it comes to Back to the Future. You know, so he chose Marty McFly, and that would have been my answer too, obviously. But, uh, you know, just to throw it out, um, you know, again, for those that have uh, followed our coverages before, my uh, movie podcast is called Podstalgic, but it was originally called Hydrate Level 4, which is a super obscure line from Back to the Future 2. So for any fans of those, uh, of the franchise, actually, you would definitely get that reference. Yeah. Now, if I can offer my one opinion in this scenario, I, I think the possibility of Daniel LaRusso and Marty McFly getting along together or not getting along together depends on the writers as well as the era in which they're working. Because let's face it, Allie, as interesting a character as she was, she was kind of portrayed as somebody who was, you know, especially in that second movie, Maybe a little bit um, uncaring with uh, the emotions of the guys in her life. So I think I could see the writers back in 1984 having her play the two against each other. 
especially because the same actress played love interests for both of them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I, you know, we have some content creators in our group page. I would love to see somebody uh, make some kind of fan edit of of that little triangle. Uh, yeah. Perhaps it's <laughs> Marty, Marty and Daniel. They're fighting over with uh, Allie Parker. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Allie Jennifer Parker. Yeah, that'd be funny. Oh, I want to see that now. Yeah. So, a uh, very good question there. I like it. Um, uh, that'd be very interesting to set them in the same universe. Uh, the next one comes from you, Tom, uh, yes. from your uh, podcast page or account, rather. Is you, you ask, can I hope against hope that we will someday see a mega crossover between the Karate Kid, Harold and Kumar, and American Pie franchises? And if we do get to see this, who would be the first to kick Stiffer's ass? William Zabka or Neil Patrick Harris? And uh, the response was, I love this question. With Karate Kid at Sony... Harold and Kumar at Warner Brothers and American Pie at Universal, the stars would really have to align for a mishmash. Also, as much as I love Neil Patrick Harris and Stifler, in a physical altercation, neither would have a chance against Johnny Lawrence. And, you know, I, I, I think he may have misunderstood this a little bit when I, the question I asked, maybe I, I should have phrased it differently. It wasn't a, a, a three-way fight between Stifler and, William Zapka's character and Neil Patrick Harris. It was who would win in a fight between Neil Patrick Harris and Johnny Lawrence in order to get to Stifler first, because you know Stifler would say something that would piss them both off, and then they would have to basically claw at each other in order to get to Stifler. Now, now bear in mind, I do think the answer would be Johnny Lawrence, but I think he may have misunderstood the uh, the scenario that I was painting. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to have to take Johnny Lawrence as well. I mean, that guy, he was undefeated junior year. I, not, not only that, but I don't think he lost a single point. Didn't lose a single point. Uh, two-time champion, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. So, there you go. Neil Patrick Harris? Now, I mean, uh, are we talking about actual NPH or are we talking about Barney? No, no, no. We're talking about uh, the way he was portrayed in the Harold and Kumar series where... Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Where he is somebody who is just completely batshit unhinged <laughs> and doesn't give a rat's ass about anything. Well, wasn't that uh, one of the Harold and Kumar movies where it was actually uh, NPH and his real life... I don't know if it was boyfriend or husband at the time, and they were uh, pretending to be gay like this whole time? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a pretty funny exchange. Um, that You know what? Now that I... I don't know. I, don't, I mean, they're, they're both a little uh, off the beaten path, aren't they? Aren't they both a little unbalanced in some way? They are, but I think that with Johnny's training and uh, his experience, that Neil Patrick Harris, especially if he's unarmed, just wouldn't stand his chance. But uh, either way, Stifler's not walking away from this uh, without scars. Right, right. No, I, I think I agree. You're, you're, you're right. So Stifler's still the odd man now. It doesn't matter. Uh, either oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> no no so chance. It's, it's a fun question, and one can hope uh, to, to see something like that on, on film, at least. Um, yeah. and, and again, I'm sure somebody with the right programs could edit out all types of footage to create that scene. Again, come on, Internet. Make this happen. Make it happen. We got people that can do it. 
Um, all right. The next one comes from, uh, again, AC Patterson 975. He, uh, he says, speaking of Jonathan Brandis, which I, I didn't see a tweet where somebody was speaking about him. Um, he continues, a lot of people have said that they think Tanner Buchanan, uh, who plays Robbie, looks like him. Do you think so? If yes, did this play a role in your decision to cast Tanner? And Tom, before you, um, answer that or read the reply, I just want to say that in one of our reviews, I actually mentioned that. Yes, you did. You absolutely did. So just a little pat on, uh, on my back there. Yeah. But uh, to further cement your uh, patting on the back, uh, Hurowitz said, People compare Tanner's look to several actors from my youth, but I felt from day one that Brandis is the closest match. It played no role in our decision to cast Tanner, however. The moment we saw his first audition, we knew we had the right guy. I mean, he looks just like Jonathan Brandis from Sequest. Come on. He does. He absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so there you go. Uh, the next one comes from one of our listeners as well, Glitzy Shiny. Uh, she says, love the 80s music in Cobra Kai. Do you have a favorite band slash singer? And he said, I love the music on Cobra Kai too. In that palette, I love ACDC, Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, Queen, and many others. But the musicians I probably listen to the most are Dr. Dre and Biggie. D- didn't I say that Mr. Hurwitz is my spirit animal? I mean, that's that's my jam. <laughs> Dr. Dre and Biggie. Now, I I enjoy me some Biggie, but I'm a bigger Tupac fan uh, just because uh, West Coast. So I wonder, because he's originally from New Jersey, maybe that's why, uh, you know, he got a little Biggie love there from the, from the East Coast. So there you go. I like that. You know, we're going to have to... One day, it's going to be me and John Hurwitz uh, rapping to Dr. Dre in his, you know, driving in the car. Hey, one can hope. you know what? One can hope. <laughs> Life goal, sir. There you go. I, again, I will quit the podcast if that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. And I would totally understand. All right. Uh, okay, so the next one comes from our buddy Josh over at Cobra Kai Network again. Uh, he asks, how much more pressure is on the writers and staff going into season two than season one with the outpouring of positive reviews and with people now tweeting you their ideas and who they think should be brought back. How do you block that out during the creative process? That's a great question. Yeah. I was just thinking that this was a really good answer, a good question because, you know, there's always the fear of the sophomore slump. That's right. Yeah. uh, Whether it's a movie series, a musician television series, there's always that big fear. Uh, And this is what he said. We don't feel more pressure. We're just going to keep telling the story that we want to see and hope our tastes continue to align with the audience. It's easy to block out noise because at all times, Hayden, Josh, and I are making the choices we believe are best for the show. And you know what? I I, I, I kind of got the impression that they had at least a three-season arc fairly, at, at least maybe outlined, if not completely mapped out, before they put pen to paper for season one. So I'm fairly confident that this is in, at least in good hands. Yeah, and I like the fact that he says it's easy to block out noise, you know, because there are trolls out there. But I do remember seeing one response uh, to a troll, and uh, I thought it was kind of funny because um, the guy was, uh, I forgot what he was saying, something about, you know, telling, you know, Mr. Hurwitz to, like, stop tweeting about, 
you know, all these other random stuff and get to working on Cobra Kai or whatever. <laughs> and then like, he was just basically <laughs> replying like, oh, well, this guy called it. I, I guess we just got to stop or something. I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good exchange. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, I tried replying. And I was like, you know what? Shutting up is free or something to that effect. So, um, all right. The next tweet we got is from Bo Hay Bennett. Uh, he says, as a screenwriter and a huge fan of... Uh, Karate Kid and Cobra Kai, what is the hardest part of adapting something you love? There must be both ups and downs to working on an IP that's so dear to your heart. Do you do you know what IP might be? Intellectual property. Oh, wow. Uh, look at you. That's why you're on the show. Uh, <laughs> and he continues, also, hire me. Just kidding. Yeah, you know what? There is not a single time that he does one of these, uh, these Q&A sessions that somebody doesn't beg him for... Even like a, a background extra or a certain somebody asking to play, uh, was it Chosen Son? Right. That, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. But I, the, the funny ones are like the verified accounts too. You know, it's like, wait a minute, don't you usually have a job? You know, these verified people. So I, I think that's funny. Well, ha- haven't uh, his uh, fellow producers and showrunners as well as the castmates asked him for jobs? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think he had an ex- uh, interaction with somebody part of Billions. I, th- I think that's a show. I, I'm, it's not one that I watch, but I saw, you know, they were kind of like, you, know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, you know, when it came to like Cobra Kai and Billions. Billionaire? Yeah. B- Billions. I, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's having fun with this, for yeah. sure. Anyways, here's the answer. The most unique challenge of Cobra Kai is taking a film franchise with a very specific tone from a different era and continuing the story in a way that both honors what we all love while expanding and modernizing the story in an entirely different format. And you know what? He's he's right. It's clearly the same characters, clearly a continuation of the story that started 34, almost 35 years ago now. It... It still feels the same, but it still, at the same time, feels updated. To me, I, I think that would be very difficult, but they, they've definitely stuck the landing, at least uh, as far as the first season was concerned. Yeah, and I take a look at a property, uh, which I don't know if people remember that this was a thing, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Tom, do you remember a Brady Bunch movie? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so they... Do you remember a very Brady sequel, though? <laughs> I do, where uh, Mike the father... Or, no, not the... Uh, uh, gosh, what is his name? The other father comes back into the picture. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah. The one that was missing on <laughs> on Gilligan's Island. Uh, wait, wasn't he, like, the professor or something? Or supposed to be? They were trying I, to tie I it into that. I can't remember. I, I remember the movie, but I barely remember the movie oh okay you brought it up so i thought you remembered but uh <laughs> but anyway um i love that approach where they took the family from the 70s and they were living in the 90s mm-hmm. you know so you had that kind of fish out of water story and that's that i liked that approach and so to, to kind of relate it to something else I always thought that if Friends was made into a movie, you know, you you know, cast all new people, but they'd still have to be like '90s Friends, but living in the modern world. And that's kind of what we got here with Cobra Kai. Like we we have mentioned in our review that Johnny is very much a man still stuck in the '80s. Oh yeah, yeah, to the point of, you know, almost. Uh, uh, it, it, I'm not sure if it's comical or pathetic at times. 
I mean, the doctor said that uh, I might be on the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> well, get off it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's things like that. Um, I just, I it works. It works, you know, and and, and people enjoy that. So, um, yeah, it's it's they they've really found a great balance uh, with Johnny's character. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm I, I'm amazed. I, I've said it before. He is this decade's Archie Bunker, where you laugh at him, not because you emulate him, but because he's pointing out how ridiculous these attitudes are. Right, right. Uh, the next one comes from yours truly uh, at Cobra Kai Pod. Uh, this was the the third Q and A. Uh, so we just finished up reading um, the second Q and A. Uh, I know because. I have my notifications on specifically just for him, nobody else, just because I follow so many other people. I don't want all these random tweets. So if I get a notification, I know that it's John Hurwitz. Uh, so I suggest everybody else do the same if you guys want to get in on these Q&As. And mm-hmm. I am typically I am typically the first one to uh, throw out a question. So not always, but I, I it's, it seems that way most of the time. Yeah, you and I are at least in, usually in the top five. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I, I feel like I, I get some pretty good questions because once we get to one, I'm going to uh, mention who liked one of my tweets uh, to him. So I opened up this particular Q&A with, have, uh, oh, what's your favorite boba tea flavor? And that's obviously a reference to uh, Tom Cole, uh, Daniel LaRusso's arch nemesis in Cobra <laughs> Kai, who hands out uh, boba teas at his dealership. And uh, his response was, have only had one in my life, and it was almost 20 years ago. Other than booze, generally avoid drinks with calories. And you know what? He might be your spirit animal, but you know what? There's at least a little bit of kinship there with me. I, I, I can see that. And now the the whole calories thing, so are we scratching off um, Coors Banquet? Well, we're safe to assume that he is not one to drink that? Well, no, no. He said other than booze. Other than boo- oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I and uh, even though it's a uh, tasteless piss water, Coors Banquet technically is booze. It's still booze. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I do not dabble in the booze as uh, as much as you do because you guys do drink on your show, and uh, you know, bu- bubble tea might be more up my alley. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell bubble tea is. What what is it? <laughs> It's a like Taiwanese. Um, uh, I guess we can call it tea, but they're it's milk tea. So they come in different flavors. You can get like fruit flavors, or um, like personally, I like nutty flavors. So I get something like a hazelnut or an almond milk tea. And usually, you can get uh, bobas, which are uh, tapioca balls. You know, oh. and you get a fat straw oh. where you suck that up. So, um, so if you're not a tapioca kind of person, you can also get flavored jellies. You know, you can get uh, coffee jelly. Uh, you can get custard pudding in it. Um, I like uh, lychee jelly, which is a Asian fruit. So there's a variety of different ways you can make it, just like beer, except for it's uh, more of a dessert drink. Yeah, but oh i i love tapioca pudding i like jellies i like fruit but i don't want to slurp that stuff through a straw yeah i mean if you enjoy a slushy it's no different you know it's just a uh, different flavors for sure I mean, oh slushy, no 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 that sounds like it's a completely different texture 
Yeah, well, the tapioca ball is for sure, right? You know, don't knock until you try it is what I always say. I'll take your word on that one, sir. <laughs> All right, I won't force you to drink one. Yeah. All right, uh, the next one comes from Beehawks fan. Uh, he or she says, which character do you like writing for better, Johnny or Daniel? To which he says, love writing both. Always fun writing characters like Johnny who are unfiltered. Love writing Sensei Daniel, his relatable family stuff, and when he's facing off against Johnny. I mean, that's that sounds like a good-ass time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, again, I, I kind of want to answer. I want to ask him uh, about the way that fans have responded to Johnny's unfiltered attitude, and you know, I, I definitely have questions in that regard. But but I, I think I'll save them for a later episode. Yeah, and and not to say we're not confirming anything because we don't. Um... Just because nothing is confirmed, and if we can eventually one day speak to him, um, you know, in the form of an interview, of course, we, we we're gonna have to get together and really, you know, write write up some really good questions because we don't want to waste anybody's time, and we want to ask like the questions that people really want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, none of these like ones that are on Twitter, unless they're like the, the really good ones. But um, just like if we ever get that opportunity, yeah, we're, we're gonna have to really come up with some really really good questions yes yes uh next one comes from rallis p what was the most difficult or challenging scene to film in your career this is always an interesting question um but uh he said the most challenging scenes are those with a ton of characters intersecting with one another in various ways each with their own important moments all in all in a sea of extras with not enough time the tournament in cobra kai and Stifler's party in American Reunion come to mind. Which, to me, that's really interesting, just because you wouldn't think that those two scenes would have much in common, but, yeah, looking at it from his point of view, I can definitely see that. Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, the tournament, it's like a party scene. You have a lot of different characters that you're kind of focusing on at different parts during this event, you know? And so you got to kind of keep... Uh, the timeline straight, and you got to keep the conversations and interactions um, very fluid, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this wasn't the tweet, but I did at one point mention, because somebody else brought up American Reunion, and I I think it's very underrated, you know, in terms of like the uh, American Pie series. I very much like American uh, Reunion, and if you rewatch it, you can actually get some feels that Cobra Kai gives you. Um, one scene in particular, I remember that Thomas Ian Nicholas and Tara Reed's characters, you know, uh, in the first three movies, at least they were together. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the reunion movie, they were broken up, but there was a, a moment that they shared together where they were kind of like reminiscing back in the past. And, uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas, he mentions to, Tara Reed's character, oh, they bring up, like, Facebook, you know? He he kind of shades her a little bit on, like, posting pictures of food all the time. And that felt very real to me, you know, where, like, the previous movies were, like, it, it was a comedy. Like, I felt Reunion was a little bit more grounded, uh, in you know, in comparison to the other movies uh, before it. And I kind of felt, that's how I felt with Cobra Kai. There were moments where just like, wow, this this feels very real and not just to be funny for funny's sake. Well, another similarity in that, you know, both those series are going to allow you to see what characters that you're introduced to at a very young and early age 
how they mature through the years. So there's yeah. definitely ties between the two of them. Absolutely. So um, that was a very good uh, question there, and I I like the answer uh, just as much, if not better. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one, the next one comes from Bristow seventy two. They ask, do you already know what happened to Johnny's mom, and do we find out this season? I'm guessing she died when Johnny was still a kid because she seemed like a mom who'd show up to watch his tournament, and he clearly had no one there to protect him from Kreese except Miyagi. And that's interesting. I, I, I'm always interested in the untold backstories of characters, uh, and I'm glad to know that he's put some thought into it. Uh, and he said, we know how and when she passed. Can't tell you when you'll find out. So they've, they've already got that mapped out. I, I think that's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that shows like the uh, how hard that they work, you know, and uh, I would love to. There's there's a podcast out there. Um, I think it's called the Breaking Bad Insider, if I'm not mistaken. It, it's been a few years since I've listened to it, mm -hmm. but it was hosted by uh, Kelly Dixon, I believe her name was. And she was one of the editors on Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she would uh, have people you know, on the show uh, to help review the episodes and stuff. And they'd have all these, like, inside, uh, behind the scenes, you know, in the writer's room type stories, including Vince Gilligan was always on there as well. Um, I would love to hear something like that. You know, if they can get, like, an insider's podcast going, I would eat that up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, hopefully somebody can uh, step up to the plate and uh, at least give a good uh, substitute in the meantime. Uh, you mean Cobra Kai Companion, perhaps? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right. Uh, let's see here. The next one comes from the Males of Games. They ask, don't know if you've already had this one or not. What's your favorite of the original Karate Kid movies and why? And uh, this is what he said. The original is my favorite. Love the underdog story, Daniel's romance with Allie with an eye, and of course the Cobra Kai's. But the moment was revealed that Miyagi's chores for Daniel were actually karate training was the first time a piece of entertainment blew my mind. Nothing better. Yep. You know, hard, hard to go against the first one. I mean, if, if I learned anything from the... I don't want to call it the uh, the Daniel LaRusso saga because Miyagi's, you know, furthered that with the fourth movie, uh, The Next Karate Kid. If I learned anything, you mentioned that the first one was the one that held up the most for you. Uh, mm -hmm. And I love the second movie. Uh, and I think three's fine, you know, because that's the end of the, um, you know, Daniel LaRusso saga. But yeah, I again, hard to go against the very first one. You know, uh, Tom, you actually got me excited a little bit because I didn't proofread, you know, these tweets or anything like that. And when you said Allie with an I, I go, oh, did he really say that in there? You know, because because <laughs> you and I, we we always say Allie with an I. Yeah. Uh, you know, and to kind of reference that very scene, uh, that's kind of how we came up with our name. Allie with an I, Daniel with an L. Well, we're Cobra Kai companion with a K. Exactly. Why ruin a uh, perfectly fine tradition, right? That's that's right. That's why we are here, and you know, it's not a reference to Mortal Kombat or anything like that. We just we just thought uh, it would stand out, and hopefully, people get the reference. Cobra Kai Companion with a K. Yeah. The next one comes from yours truly yet again. Uh, Cobra Kai Pod. Bo revealed. Uh, Bo Mitchell, that is, revealed he was a last minute replacement, a la Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future. Were there any other actor replacements? And I actually found this really interesting. Uh, he says, he wasn't exactly a replacement. We struggled for two months to find the perfect guy. 
The moment we saw Bo, we knew we had our Brooks. Similar situation for Eli and Dimitri, although we exclusively looked for Indian Dimitris at first. Originally, that character was named Tanzit. All right, Dan, before uh, we continue there, this tweet, uh, this tweet that I uh, sent out to Mr. Horowitz, it was liked by Paul Shear. Oh, awesome. Yeah, uh, do, do you know who that is? Uh, the name is very familiar. All right, well, he, he's an actor. He was also in Disaster Artist. Uh, I forgot exactly which role he played, but he hosts uh, How Did This Get Made, you know, with oh, uh, Jason Manzikas. Oh, okay, Manzikas. yeah, I know exactly yeah. who this is, that is, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So I, I was like, because that particular tweet got, got a decent amount of likes. So I went on there, I go, oh, damn, Paul Shear liked my tweet, look at that. Nice. So I considered tweeting out to him and be like, hey, uh, would you ever come on the show to help us, like, review an episode or something? <laughs> that would be cool. Hey, you know, A for effort, we, we can try. We just, you know, worst going to happen, he shoots us down or doesn't reply. So, But no, I mean, there, there was a major revelation in that answer. Uh, maybe possibly one of the bigger revelations that I've seen in one of these uh, Q&As where Dimitri was originally maybe not a completely different character, but it, it kind of is interesting that they were going even further with uh, the idea of representation on this show than what ultimately showed up on screen. Yeah, you know, and I was thinking about that uh, after he replied to me, and I was thinking about the the young kid's name, and I I, I couldn't even, I could look it up, but um, he was in one of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid. There was a kid in there that kind of, I was like, you know what? I, I can see someone like him being like a uh, Tanzit. You know, I think that would have been a, a really cool casting there. But yeah, this was interesting to me. This was just as cool uh, to me uh, as finding out Counselor Blatt's uh, backstory. Yeah. I mean, that's a very interesting bit of the, you know, trivia that you dug up there, sir. Yeah, and you know, that's why people listen to our show, Tom, because of things like that that we bring up that <laughs> maybe not other people would have thought about. Yeah, you know, and you know what? During these sessions, whenever he throws these out, I always try to ask a question that you wouldn't necessarily know unless you were on that set or have listened to our show. Exactly. So maybe one could speculate how did we know Bo revealed such information? Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, to tune in to find out. Uh, so my follow-up uh, tweet to that, I say, I understand Brooks, uh, who Bo Mitchell plays, was an homage to Dutch. How did you guys come up with his name? And uh, this is what he said. One of our first producer friends in Hollywood had that last name, and we always liked how it rolled off the tongue. Hayden and I also named a cop in Harold and Kumar, Officer Brooks. I'll be damned. Yep, a little nod to a different series that they uh, have worked on. And yeah, I like that. And you know what? It's, it's now making me wonder if maybe these Brooks are all related. And if they're Ooh. all related, they obviously take place in the same continuity. So maybe we go. can get a crossover going. We could. So Sony, Universal, and WB, get Make on it. Make this shit happen. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So uh, very good interaction there. Uh, the next one comes from Flash G 83 Just a quick question. Favorite tune from the original soundtrack? Hard to pick. Young Hearts, Cruel Summer, and You're the Best first come to mind. But Bill Conti's score may be at the top of the list. I agree. Hard to argue that. It really is. Though Cruel Summer is a damn good song. 
It's a damn good song. Young Hearts is a damn good song. But Bill Conti's score, there's a reason that our episodes open up with that Bill Conti score. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, I don't know what our intro sounds like now, uh, but <laughs> I... <laughs> have we mentioned that this is the first official episode? That's correct. So uh, I have not yet made an intro, but if you guys have heard this, at some point I have decided to try to incorporate Bill Conti's score with the the composers of Cobra Kai. I might have done a little mixing of the two somehow uh, to get both of those in there because Bill Conti's score is just so iconic. It's just it's a very beautiful uh, composition of music, and I love the Cobra Kai music just as much. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the great thing about Conti is that he really uh, did it a, a very understated job. He didn't have to have huge, loud, bombastic music in order to convey what needed to be said in that scene. So it's 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 magnificent. It is absolutely. Uh, the next one comes from Kurbakai Mom uh, Mandy. Uh, her Twitter handle is Murdoch Mandy. She's also in our group. Uh, she asks, "Was the scene with Bert buying the magazine originally in the script, or was that added during filming?" Uh, now, Tom, before you answer that, I believe this question actually was asked before our interview with one uh, Mr. Uh, Vos Sanchez, who I think he actually reveals the answer as well. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Hurwitz said, we wrote that episode pretty late in the shoot after we already knew the kids in the dojo, which, I mean, that, that makes sense because let's face it, if you had just a average, say high school, sophomore or junior trying to sneak a dirty mag out from a store, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as funny as what we got to see. Absolutely. And for those that missed that interview, uh, Mr. Sanchez does talk about some of the different takes uh, from that particular scene along uh, many, many others. So he was he was a, a joy to listen to because he just had a wealth of knowledge of the of the universe and an understanding of it. So uh, definitely check out check out all those episodes. I mean, if you have been wanting Cobra Kai material since, you know, you binged the, the first season, why not listen to some of our uh, content? Yeah. That's what it's there for. And you know what? The price is right, folks. It's free. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. All right. I I love this next name. It's from Crispy Kareem. Uh, (laughs) They ask, why was Ariel Speedwagon the musical connection between Johnny and Daniel? And you know what? To me, music just brings people of all backgrounds, genders, races, religions. It's a a, a binding force. So I'm I'm really happy to see that those two kind of, you know, tore off a huge chunk of uh, 80s cheese and bonded over it. But uh, this is what he said. We considered a ton of songs, but this felt like the perfect intersection of Johnny and Daniel's tastes. Toto by Africa, Toto's Africa was in the mix, but didn't feel quite right. And you know what? I'm so, so, so glad that they didn't use that song because in the past year or so, that song has become a bit of a meme in and of itself with the whole Weezer thing. I'm so glad they didn't go with that. Oh, I I missed that, but I did hear a cover of it recently on the radio, and I didn't like it. Yeah, yeah, that was Weezer. Oh, well, there you go. Um, But I do love Toto's version. I do love that song, but I agree. I, I can't imagine them rocking to that particular song in the car. No, it just doesn't have that guttural feeling that Ario has, you know? 
Right. I think it would have been a little too uh, anti-Cobra Kai, I feel. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not not as badass. You know, it's a great song, just not a badass song. <laughs> uh, the next one uh, comes from Cobra Kai Pod, uh, yours truly. I say, shamelessly plugging our group that Mama Hurwitz just joined. <laughs> what do your parents think of Cobra Kai? So, there we go. <laughs> I revealed which producer's uh, mom is in our group. Yes. Uh, to which producer Hurwitz said, I have extremely supportive parents who genuinely love everything I've ever done. But Cobra Kai blew them away. And that's awesome. I mean, come on. The fact that he has parents that are, you know, still cheering him on even after he's achieved so much success is really, really, really cool. It is. It absolutely is. And it's important to have, you know, support group, you know, from your family. I think that's that's great. And uh, anyone that uh, may friend him on Facebook, you know, he's got a picture of his family. His family seemed, you know, his his what what is it called? Uh, You know, when it's like your wife and kids. Immediate family. Immediate family, that's the word. Uh, yeah, so they seem pretty supportive, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the interactions that I have uh, had with him behind the scenes, uh, I have the impression that as much as he enjoys the show, as much as he enjoys the fans, the number one thing in his life, family. And that is nothing but admirable. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, the next one comes from Mingo Rubies. Uh, they asked, did you ever think about using You're the Best around a song for the tournament sequence? That would have been awesome. If and when we use that show- song on the show, we want it to be surprising. That song has been used in tournament parodies so many times, we didn't think it would have the desired impact on our story. If you want to see it, though, pretty sure someone did it on YouTube, which, again... God bless the internet sometimes. You know, I, I love fan edits for this. Oh, absolutely. And if uh, there if there's one that exists, uh, you can believe that we're going to share that in the group page. Uh, we just got to remember to look it up. <laughs> now, I, I like this question very much because uh, for those that are a big fan of the 80s, I, you guys may know that they are um, currently in pre-production for Maverick, which is the sequel to Top Gun. And can you imagine them trying to bring back Danger Zone in that sequel? Like, it just, it's not going to work. I mean, it's been used in... Um, it's played out. It really is. As great of a song it is, like, you can't use it in the sequel. Yeah, I mean, I still remember when I was working at a factory and having to watch a uh, company safety video with that song in the background. When it gets to that point, it it's lost all impact. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, there we go. I, I think that was a great decision. And you know what? I bet it was harder than hell to uh, to come to that, to make mm-hmm. that decision. Yeah, there was definitely, uh, I mean, just overall, you can tell that there was a lot of restraint used in the making of that first season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, the next one comes from, yet again, the Males of Games. Uh, I have another question. Was there a reason why Johnny's You're Alright LaRusso from the end of Credit Kid 1 wasn't referenced in Cobra Kai? For example, was it deliberately omitted to make the rivalry feel more heated, or was there just no reason to bring it up? In our minds, that happened after the new stuff we shot with him falling to the mat. It wasn't important to see... 
you're all right, Louiso, in our story, because we believe 34 years of bitterness and frustration were more relevant than that moment of sportsmanship. And uh, again, I think that was the right call because let's face it. Absolutely. If he had walked away thinking, you know what? I was beaten fairly. Daniel LaRusso deserves this. I don't think he would be the same character that we saw in this series. I mean, he would be, uh, he would be more probably mature, more even tempered, uh, probably a lot healthier than he is both mentally and physically if he had gone down that road. And not only that, can you imagine the very first episode, you know, where he pulls up at a red light, looks over at the billboard and smiles and be like, that's a nice guy. You Good. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's all right. Russo. Good for him. Yeah. That's right. He, you know what? He's doing okay. <laughs> Not exactly compelling television there, folks. Just saying. Not at all. You, I, I don't know if I would have continued to that second episode. <laughs> I'm lying. I'm lying. I totally would have. But you know, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, very good question there. Uh, now, this is actually one of our newer listeners, or at the very least, she's actually one of our new uh, members in our group. Uh, Stacy Wade Hart One. She asks, any hints on Mike Barnes returning? Uh, in parentheses, thinking of the video where Sean Kanan says he's in season two, question mark. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, to which he says, it's always possible that Mark Mike Barnes returns. I think Sean was just excited about the show and the potential for returning when he said that. And, you know, everything I've seen kind of, again, we, we talked about this at the start of the show, everything I've seen kind of points to that being the absolute truth. Or... Maybe, possibly, you know, Horowitz and company are just playing, uh, holding their cards close to the chest. Yeah. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out spring of 2019. Exactly. We'll find out, um, you know, at, at this point, they're not confirming uh, or denying. It. Well, yeah, maybe they're doing some denying. But uh, but, but the, the, the fact is that, you know, kind of like what you said, he might have jumped the gun a little bit. Um you know, we, we, we don't know. It could be a cameo, right? You know, if he came, maybe it's a cameo, and they, they don't want to uh, ruin that cameo. So uh, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. It's definitely, like, one of the, the bigger speculations for season two, for sure. Yeah, all I'm saying is that's not necessarily a denial. Just that no, the right? actor got overly excited. Yeah, because he was like, hey, Crease is back. I worked with Crease the last time we saw him. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of makes sense. You know, and, and again, this goes back to something that he has said like a handful of times. I've seen it on Twitter. Anybody in the universe has a potential to return, but it has to make sense. Yeah. Does it really make sense for Mike Barnes to return? It, I mean, it, it would, so what to, to me, the reason I would bring back Mike Barnes, and, and again, I'm not a writer of anything. You guys that have heard me know I struggle with phrases and words. Um, but if I brought back Mike Barnes, it, it would be kind of sway Johnny Lawrence back to the real Cobra Kai, no mercy. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. To we'll me, it, it doesn't make much sense just because we have enough compelling characters as it is. We don't need That's to right. dilute the pool. Let's not oversaturate it. I mean, Game of Thrones does it well, but they have an hour, right? Exactly. So, th this is 30 minutes. Um, all right, so the next one comes from Mr. Wrestling 98 also one of our listeners, asks, do you prefer the crane kick uh, end of part one 
the drum technique end of two, or the kata in the throwing technique end of three. Enjoyed all of them, but Daniel's first victory was most impactful for me. Part of that was the crane technique, and part was seeing the underdog finally triumph. And you know what? I think I gotta agree. I mean, the uh, the other two just felt like they were trying to be too wise and too sage-like for the story's own good, whereas the crane kick made sense. The crane kick made sense. Um, I'm not a big fan of the kata. Like, I like the way it looks. I didn't like how it really threw Mike Barnes off his game because, like, again, the kata, it's like, you know, hey, I, I never took karate, so I don't know for sure, but I feel it is some sort of foundation, right, to karate. And we kind of mentioned in our review in the third movie where we said that I feel like that should have been something he learned in the first movie. But the drum technique... The reason I kind of like that, and I can see why some people would would be turned off by it, but it's it's uh, uh, violent is a little strong of a word, but it's a repetitive motion where he's beating chosen with that drum technique. You know, the crane kick is just one kick to the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of like them both, but you know, it just I guess it, it depends how you feel about chosen at, at that point. But like chosen was quite an a hole, you know, and you just wanted to see him get beat. Yeah. Yeah, that was the the whole purpose of it. Mm-hmm. So the next one comes from, yet again, me. Uh, I ask, has there been a discussion on... Oh, I think this is a, a new Q&A here. Uh, has there been a discussion on whether there will be a lot of new characters introduced or even upgrading current Cobras? Uh, we have the entire season outlined in great detail already. We know what every character is doing at every moment. Some characters have more going on, some less, and there will be definitely a few new characters. So they're they're almost sounding like Santa Claus here, you know? They know exactly what's going on at all times. They're watching them while they're sleeping, and he knows uh, when they're not, uh, knows when they're bad or good, so, you know, yeah, they're the just be badass. Twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's it. Uh, and you know, hey, we we got a Cole on the show too, Tom Cole. You know, so that that's related to your Santa Claus uh, analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dad jokes, I got them. Um, all right, let's see here. The next question comes from uh, you might have heard of this guy. His name is Sholo. Uh, he asks, when can we catch some uh, some writer slash director cameos? Yeah, you know, I I can't believe that they haven't had that yet. But uh, Hurwitz said. Great question, Sholo. Every once in a while, we'll think of a role that would be good for one of us. Then we either get too busy to act in it, or we get greedy, waiting for a role that's more likely to show up again. Which, again, just from a... You would want to have as much fun in there as as you possibly could. But on the other hand, I could see where they're having to juggle all these responsibilities where it would just be a logistical nightmare sometimes. It would be. And again, to... Everything that we've seen, will it make sense? Why would they create something just, you know, so they can make a cameo? Like, it's got to make sense. So I could see maybe appearing in the background in something, you know? Yeah. Uh, This next one comes from, I'm just going to say Aaron, because it's followed by like nine different numbers. Uh, He asks, how did the kids go from being white belts to black belts within a few months? Through the magic of Karate Kid universe rules, which... That's one of those, it's called suspension of disbelief, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah. You, you just got to roll with it. You know, come on. Not, not only did he not do a um, uh, an actual uh, winking emoji, he used a winking emoticon, right? That's where you got the, <laughs> what is that, semicolon? Yeah. Right? Semicolon with the parentheses. So I, I liked how he went old school with that one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. The next one comes from an interaction with you. So a little back and forth here. Uh, you ask or say, from what I understand, there were a lot of alternate lines slash takes that were left on the cutting room floor. Is there any chance those will ever see the light of day? To which he says, and this is all he said, there's a chance. I wish that he'd used that uh, Lloyd Christmas gif. But that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> um, different property. I'd imagine that's probably why. Perhaps. I don't know. Uh, and the follow-up question was, uh, or tweet, rather, was the filming of the beach party scene as difficult as a lot of the cast members say it was? To which he said, one of the toughest days of shooting I've ever experienced. A massive amount of material to shoot in a short period of time. The emotions of it being our last day. But worst of all... Faking 20-degree temperatures in Atlanta for early summer in L.A. Our cast and crew were troopers. And uh, Sholo had a comment to this. Uh, He says, yes, hashtag deadass. Yeah, uh, apparently from everything we've been able to gather, uh, not only uh, from our interviews, not only from Hurowitz and Sholo's answers, but from uh, the people associated with the show on our Facebook group, that was just an bearable night to shoot it was cold everyone was tired uh thank god the uh the the crew took care of themselves and uh the cast otherwise it would have been just even more miserable that's that's right well we had a gentleman um you know uh, forgive me i forgot his name um but he is a crew member uh, on on the show that uh well you know he can attest that uh, it was indeed cold that day so um, there you go. You, you are getting insights from people that have been on the show uh, in our group. So not to say that they're not in other groups, but the interaction is definitely there. Mm. Yep. Yep. We, just stick with us. We've we've got all the inside stuff here, folks. There we go. Uh, and you continue, assuming that we'll eventually get a Blu-ray release of season one, if you had to pick one and only one special feature to include with the package, what would it be? Deleted scenes? A gag reel? Commentary? Behind-the-scenes documentary? To which she says, I would be in favor of any and all of those things. Would imagine a Blu-ray would have some stuff if we release one, while other content might pop up on YouTube. And you know what? I'm kind of shocked that they haven't done that, now that I'm thinking about it, where... I, they, this, I mean, if they want people to continue to use this service and pay for this service in the months between the series, uh, why wouldn't they keep the content kind of dripping out where they would have a behind-the-scenes documentary or anything like that where the only way you could get them was through YouTube Premium? I, I'm really kind of shocked they haven't done that. Yeah, well, he is teasing that perhaps it would happen on YouTube. Uh, I'm sure they're figuring out the logistics of season one and and seeing how they can, uh, you know, release supplemental material to the fans. Uh, I I would one be in favor of all of that as well. But in the meantime, just listen to Cobra Kai Companion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because you you get some of those nuggets in our interviews with people because we try to ask that stuff. We uh, ask questions that we ourselves want to know too. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, if we can't get the uh, the bonus features that we want, well, dang it, we'll make them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the next one comes from Mingo Rubies. Uh, they ask, who do you think would would have won the Miyagi versus Sato duel had there been no typhoon and why? Currently on episode five of my uh, Cobra Kai rewatch, loving it even more. And uh, his answer is Miyagi, because he always seemed to be able to pull off the impossible. Which, you know what? Of course it's Miyagi. Why? Because Miyagi, in his own way, you know, pretty badass. Do you guys remember that Miyagi is the one that was able to break that beam that was laying on top of Sato? And earlier yeah. in um, yeah, Karate Kid 2, Sato was trying to break it right there in his yard or wherever he was at his home. Very true. And uh, th- there is one thing, well, Miyagi wasn't able to do it first, but he eventually was able to do it. But Capture a Fly, Daniel did it first before him. <laughs> Very true. I-, I think I think that's how it went. Um, all right, let's see here. The next one comes from me. Uh, and so I, I don't know if I was the first one on this, because I think this is actually uh, a new q and I don't think I was the first one uh, this time around. I do ask, is it possible Lynn is on that blue meth from Heisenberg? To which he says, that is a crossover I'm on board for. And you know what? Logistically speaking, it's possible because these are both Sony properties. Yep. So I would be happy about it. We don't have to even get Heisenberg. We can get a tease, somebody in the alley with, you know, that, uh, what, what is that hat called? Oh, the pork pie hat? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that. So if we can get like a silhouette of somebody in that hat, there you go. It would be like, hey, that's where she got her meth. No, I also like the idea of Lynn hanging out with uh, Wendy. The Wendy. Uh, they are, they're friends. They are, Clearly yeah. they're friends. <laughs> so uh, do you hear her possible black, uh, backstory? Uh, listen to Susan Gallagher's interview. Uh, she had, had a very interesting backstory. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> There you go. Uh, another one for you guys. Uh, so the next one comes from some drunk dork. You know, I'm trying to be cute with that. I, w- I wasn't sure who's going to read what at that point when I when I typed that up. But this comes from you. Uh, I don't have a question right now as much as I just want to take the time to say thank you. Not only for what turned out to be my favorite new show of the year, but for being one of the most receptive and, uh, in quotes, fan-friendly showrunners online. To which he uh, replied... I'm lucky enough to make my dream show and thrilled others love it so much. Happy to spend some time with those who support my work when I have a moment. And you know what? I wasn't trying to butter him up, and I didn't want to clog up the feed with question after question because, I mean, I could rattle them off all night long. But you know what? I don't think anybody's actually had a chance to just say, hey, what you're doing is really cool. Thank you not only for, you know, bringing these characters back, but you know what? Just being a pretty cool guy. I mean, you aren't going to see a lot of other showrunners doing what this guy is doing. So, pork pie hat off to you, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see what you did there. Uh, but yeah, he, <laughs> uh, of this particular universe, he is the most active on Twitter uh, when it comes to this stuff, you know? And there are other uh, actors that are active as well, but he's the one who's the only one that's doing a Q&A. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's done like what four, four About of them that, yeah. at this point. About that, you know, and we're we're covering all of the Cobra Kai related stuff. 
you know, there, there's been some off Cobra Kai uh, uh, questions as well, which I omitted, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one comes from uh, me. This one also got a lot of likes. Uh, I ask, what was your favorite Easter egg for the fans in season one of Cobra Kai? And he responded, probably the talk of Terry Silver and Mike Barnes in episode seven. Loved how all the actors handled that scene. And you know what? I, I, I think when we did the overview review on my show, Jake and Tom Conquer the World, with my uh, co-host Jake, I think we all agree that that was actually pretty awesome. Because there are a lot of franchises who will just gloss over movies that in the like an entry that might not be held in as high regard as others in the series. Whereas Cobra Kai is embracing all of it. The good, right. the bad, the great, the not so great. It's all continuity. It's all canon. And I thought that was great. That's right. And uh, I think it was you that mentioned that, that, yeah, they're, they're not uh, completely omitting, you know, that the three exists. So, uh, so I like that very much. Um, oh, clearly a lot of other people did too. You know, they, they thought it was a good question. Yeah. So again, that's why you listen to our show. Uh, the next one comes from Cobra Kai mom, Mandy. Uh, she asks how, or I'm sorry, rather any chance, uh, Thea dubbed little Cobra Kai by William Zapka make an appearance on screen. Well, also not only that, but she attached a picture of, the little, I believe it was a little girl. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. But mm-hmm. she had a, a picture that she took of the little girl on set with Zapka as part of that tweet. Uh, but this is what he, he said. If the right moment presents itself, always a challenge to shoot with little ones. I appeared at Stifler's party in American Reunion holding my, at the time, one-year-old. And it was my most stressful day on set ever so yeah i mean it would be cool i mean it would be something that that kid could dine out on forever and uh i'm sure that uh everybody in the family would be proud but on the other hand i could see where it would be very hard for the family at the same time in the moment right yeah i can understand that and this is actually the tweet where uh i referenced earlier where i kind of just chimed in and said you know what american reunions you know kind of underrated and and he did like that tweet uh this particular q a um he he actually liked uh some of my comments not just the questions but there was a little bit of interaction between Mm -hmm. him and i um i think after saying that american reunion was underrated i actually shared with him a picture of me with thomas ian nicholas when he came to portland and he liked that tweet as well so again just very interactive with the fans and uh you know it's it's very generous uh that he that he gives us his time very cool. Very cool of them. So the, the picture that you mentioned, uh, she also shared it in our group page, which you guys can check out. Uh, but just to kind of add a little bit here, I did reach out to Mandy and ask her, you know, how to, uh, you know, pronounce uh, Thea's name. Uh, but she also mentioned that um, uh, Thea, even though she's three years old, mentioned that she didn't want uh, want to work on any other sets uh, just because they're mean, except Cobra Kai, because Cobra Kai are all nice. So there you go. Even from a three-year-old, she can attest that (laughs) the crew, the cast and crew, yeah, that Cobra Kai is pretty classy. Yeah, I I never hear anything but good things about everybody associated with the show. That's right. You know, we've we've said it probably about every episode now. Mm -hmm. 
the let's see. The next tweet comes from Josh Massey. One was there any reference to the next Karate Kid? Not nearly as familiar with that one, so it probably would have uh, sailed over my head anyway. Nothing intentional in season one. If a reference exists, it was subconscious. Yep. There we go. I'm pretty sure there was none. Uh, but again, I I hope that they do, just because I like the idea that even the least popular entries in this franchise are still canon. Right. Like, uh, for example, they, let me see, in episode seven or eight of Cobra Kai, you know, there was that drop line, the um, Bananarama pancakes, you know, that mm-hmm. was just a throwaway line, uh, obviously a reference to Cruel Summer, right? Uh, why couldn't we get uh, Daniel just mentioning another one of Miyagi's students that you know, he never met but heard about, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, or even if he mentioned her by name, like Mr. Miyagi mentioned such and such, but, you know, her and I, we've never met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it would just be nice. Right, yeah. Uh, so the next one comes from our buddy Josh at Cobra Kai Network. Uh, he says, since you were, since you are pretty much the gatekeeper of the Credit Kid slash Cobra Kai universe, I have a question for you. What was the year LaRusso beat Johnny? The trophy that Ralph Macchio has says 1983, but most people believe the All-Valley was in 84. Can you clear this up? And again, this is a good question. Uh, Herowitz says, I'm of the belief that it was 1984, although I can see an argument for 83 since it would have been the December before the movie hit theaters. Still going with 84 in the idea that the movie was showing the future. Yeah. I agree with that, too. Uh, you know, a movie came out in 84, poster on the wall where Miyagi and Daniel are inside the Cobra Kai dojo. The poster says in December, you mm-hmm. know, so. Yeah. Yep. Great question. Uh, if you guys haven't yet, you know, follow Josh at Cobra Kai Network on Instagram and uh, Twitter. He is a pretty good um, follow for information. Like he, he, sh- it's like a hub of news. You know, he shares absolute wealth of knowledge. Yes, yes. He's a super fan. Uh, he shares like the appearances the actors will be at, um, articles, and uh, he ha- actually has reached out and he's going to be um, uh, sharing our interviews as well. So, uh, so check him out. He's no, he is not in any way affiliated with Cobra Kai. Uh, that's something that uh, he has himself put out. So I, I wanted to kind of throw that out as well. Um, but again, super fan that's sharing all types of uh, information for junkies like us. Yeah. So the next one comes from Stacy Wade Hart. One, uh, she asks, "Will Cobra Kai be dubbed in other languages for countries where English is not their primary language?" And she, um, again, I, I mentioned that she is a newer member of our group, and she actually asked uh, asked us this question as well, or to the group rather. And so she kind she got a response at least. She didn't quite get an answer, mm-hmm. but uh, but it, it's a perfectly valid question, uh, and I'd be all for it. Uh, again, just as somebody is completely ap- looking at this from the outside, but you'd figure that they would want to do what they can to expose this product to as many people as they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is what he said. I actually don't know the answer to this. I know it's becoming available in more and more countries. Just don't know if they'll be doing any dubbing. So, I mean, I'm assuming that they're at least having 
like let's say uh, you're a fan who lives in France or Sweden or Peru. I'm imagining that they're having versions of this show with subtitles for the language of that region. But I don't know if they're going to end up doing any dubbing. Right. We we don't know what kind of budget they're given. That that that's one. You know, because the other thing is you you got to understand dubbing in all these other countries. You're going to have to pay other actors in other countries, you know. Well, not only that, but, you know, sound engineers, editors, directors, and all that. And on top of that, I know that a lot of people who, at least in the U.S., watch foreign movies hate dubbing because it, it doesn't match up with what the actual actors are saying. They can't really emote the correct way. And they just prefer subtitles. And I'm, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just curious. Does the reverse hold true where the, you know, people who live outside the U.S. or at least English-speaking territories, do they prefer dubbing or subtitles? Yeah, I think it's all a personal preference. But, you know, when it comes to dubbing, you guys got to understand you're going to lose some of that translation. Um, because depending on the approach, the dubbing as we know it in like the old school terms, they're trying to translate it as much as they can, but nothing is matching up. The newer school of dubbing, they try to match up the words, but again, they're having to change the dialogue and a different uh, vocabulary to match up, uh, you know, with the cadence of the speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next tweet comes from Mike Mar ninety eight. They ask, uh, or they say, you have said that you guys had access to a lot of deleted scenes from the original Karate Kid. I was wondering if the scene in the cafeteria with the blueberry pie actually exists. It is a scene where Johnny puts a slice of blueberry pie in Daniel's seat. And you know what? That's actually a really cool question, just because. Not only would it be neat if they have access to these deleted scenes and somehow incorporate them into the narrative, but we know for a fact that these scenes exist because the actors have talked about them. Uh, from what I understand, uh, the scenes were written and transcribed in the novelization of the original movie, so we know they're out there, but they're just kind of locked away in a vault somewhere. Um, anyways, uh, this is what Heroic said. We have only seen limited footage from the original movies, but we are in the process of trying to dig up more. That's so to me, that's very promising. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, it's got to fit the narrative. It's got to make sense. As cool as it would be to use use it all, we don't want them to like just throw a bunch of things in there for no good reason. And also, you know, just to kind of tip tip the hat to uh, Mike Masunas, you know, host of Sweep the Leg uh, podcast, he actually... I feel like he's the one that maybe started a discussion in our group about one of those scenes. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and I'm sure it's discussed in other groups as well, but, you know, um, I'm just trying to throw out, you know, we're not just, we don't have people just sitting in our group doing nothing. You know, there's definitely some activity going on there. Yeah. The next one comes from uh, fellow producer Mr. Schlossberg, at MC Schlossberg. He says, if Mike Barnes' goons had to fight each other, who would win, Snake or Dennis? And again, uh, William Christopher Ford, who plays Dennis, we got to interview him for uh, our review of Part 3. And uh, Horowitz says, you know the answer to all these questions as well as I do, Schlossberg. 
But <laughs> I'm partial to Snake because he's John Alvidson's son. Which, I mean, he's got a good point. Schlossberg is a point. producer, too. You know as well as I do. Now, this is where I have to kind of differ my opinion on that, only because I got to interview, a.k.a. Dennis. You know, so so, you're, pr- Dennis so you're partial to Dennis, due, just due to that fact. Yes. Well, that's understandable. Dennis and Daniel actually had a fight. Oh. In the, um, in the bonsai store. That is true. That is very yeah, true. and... Yeah, in the interview, um, Sensei Ford, he says that originally he was supposed to... Uh, no, Dan- Daniel kind of started the fight in a sense. What, what, a sh- what a, Let me guess, he was poking his nose where it didn't belong because Daniel didn't <laughs> know how to mind his own goddamn business. <laughs> it, was, it was something to that effect, but uh, <laughs> it was um, something where Ralph told... I don't know if it's the writers or whatever, but it was something he says. Yeah, I think Daniel was supposed to throw the first punch, but uh, he was saying that Dennis should provoke him into doing that first or something like that. And so he was given a line for uh, uh, Daniel's character to react to. So again, during my interview, I'm just trying to like probe for interesting information like that. So, uh, you know, if you're subscribed to our show, um, I'm not sure when, but at some point, the uh, that interview and the reviews of the Karate Kid movies will uh, be uploaded. Yeah. So the next one comes from Love Ralph Macchio. Uh, <laughs> they say, "Hi there. Was wondering if season two of Cobra Kai has started filming. I can't get enough of Ralph Macchio and William Zapka. I'm gonna binge watch the series again this weekend." And you know what? I, I love the fact that this fan used one of the old school emoticons. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Uh, but this is what uh, Hurowitz said. Writing and prepping season two now. We start filming late September. Hashtag Cobra Kai. And uh, this was also confirmed to us by uh, f- former guest and all-around friend of our show, Nicole Brown, who plays Aisha. She has said that she is going to start filming in, uh, I think she said the t- somewhere between the 20th and 26th of September. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think um, one of the tweets earlier from Mr. Horowitz did say late September. So, yes, you- you're right. A friend of the show, uh, she may or may not be in our group. You know, you have to join to find out. Hmm, what a teaser. Yeah, <laughs> I-, I-, I don't know. That sounded like a bad tease, really. <laughs> 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 But uh, yes, uh, I I feel that uh, we have gotten closer with Nicole. So yeah, um, yeah, she's yeah. an all around great person. She she's great, and and also uh, you and I we we can say that we're friends with her. And I saw some new pictures of her looking rather yeah. different. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, she's looking great. So uh, if you guys follow her, you may have seen it already. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the last of it, sir. That is the last of it. So uh, I want to thank everybody for checking out this episode. I know we uh, ran much longer than we usually do, but hey, we had about three or four Q&As that uh, we missed. Um, A lot of ground to cover. A lot of ground to cover. I've been uh, moving uh, cities. Yeah, I I moved to a completely different city, so we've been moving for the past week and a half. So Tom and I actually haven't recorded for a while, and we still have, at this point, two interviews recorded that I have not yet edited and put out. Uh, Those will be coming uh, Stay tuned, listeners. 
Stay tuned indeed. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this bonus episode. Uh, thank you guys again. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe to Cobra Kai Companion. And if you've checked out our other episodes before, please consider leaving um, uh, Apple Podcast Review. That really helps out the visibility. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to support us at all, that's going to be the number one way. Just because there are other shows out there that uh, cover Cobra Kai, whether they're dedicated to the show or if they just have a couple of episodes here and there in their main feed. But I'd like to think that we're at least in the vicinity of the top tier of all of those shows. So definitely tell your friends about it. Tell uh, co-workers about it. Maybe even uh, tweet us at uh, some of the people associated with the show. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm sure some of the other shows may have gotten interviews, but have they gotten 13? You know, I was going to say. With more, yeah, with more scheduled on the way. Yeah, not, not only that, but we will always and forever be Nicole's first podcast. <laughs> there there you go. Actually, uh, Hannah's as well. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we were definitely a lot of first. Uh, uh, Gianni, you know, uh, Bert, obviously, because Bert's 14 years old. But um, Gianni has become a, a close friend of ours as well. You know, he's um, I asked him to uh, do a welcome video to our group. And that that was exclusive to our group. And I shared like screenshots on our social medias. But to watch the video, you have to be in our group. Uh, so he's been very kind and uh, giving us some of his time to interact with our listeners as well. Uh, he did a Instagram takeover some time ago, mm-hmm. which um, you know you had to follow and you know to see that it was coming and watch it. And you know we're still learning uh, how to work all of that stuff, <laughs> but that particular footage was only available for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So if you missed it, it's no longer available. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, when we're not talking about Cobra Kai, Peter, what do you typically do and where can they find you doing it? Well, I host another uh, podcast where I do movie reviews, new and old, but the focus is between the 80s to the 2000s. I don't even want to say like when, actually, because I just do in a year, but most of them are older 80s and 90s movies, uh, and that's Podstalgic on Twitter and Instagram. What about you, Tom? Uh, I am the co-host of a little show called Jake and Tom Conquer the World, in which we talk about uh, superheroes, movies, television comic books, you name it. Uh, We also tend to uh, indulge in some of the uh, nicer adult beverages out there, and you can hear us every week. All right, and uh, again, for you guys that want to follow us on the social medias, on Twitter, we are at Cobra Kai Pod. Instagram is Cobra Kai Podcast, and on your favorite listening podcast app, Cobra Kai Companion. Yeah, Uh, so I think think we're all set for now wouldn't you say so sir i would say so uh again just follow us on the social medias uh turn on your notification to john herwitz's account so that way you can get yeah or uh, rather join in on the q a's and you know we'll be reading your tweets if you make it so um i guess until the next episode we will see you guys next time see ya
Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtemparts.com.